Hello and welcome to the very first episode of our brand new A to Z of Tech podcast. I'm Felicity, I'm in tech PR here at PwC. And I'm Louise and I work in cybersecurity. Today we'll be looking at A for artificial intelligence, which is of course just a small casual bite-sized topic to start us off nicely with. <laughs> yeah, nice easy one to get into there. So we're joined by our first guest in the studio, Rob McCargo today. Um, who's an AI director here at PwC. And then we've got a great interview Rob did with Tabitha Goldstorp, co-founder of UK AI startup Cognition X and chair of the government's new AI council. So without further ado, let's welcome Rob to the studio. Thank you so much for being here for episode one. Thanks for having me on the show. I've always wondered about what the difference is between AI and automation. People are calling it robotic process automation, RPA. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that. Indeed, yeah. And I think there's constantly different versions of how to explain what AI is. I'm not going to get too hung up on the technology too much. I think that the best description I saw of um, AI and automation is that uh, AI is around the thinking and automation is around the doing. So if there's manual task, tasks and repetitive tasks that can be Automated, doesn't require sophisticated technology, but RPA is proving very, very useful in those circumstances. But ones that are requiring an ability to discern incredible value from huge patterns of data, uh, I don't think intelligence per se is the right word to describe it as yet, because it's still fairly narrowly focused. But that is very much around augmentation, and I think AI falls into that thinking bucket in that uh, context. I'd be really interested to get your thoughts on the ethical and regulatory implications of this as well? Sure, uh, it, it's, it's an absolutely red hot topic. Um, one thing that we've seen uh, some really positive progress in the UK over the last 12 months is around how to address that very topic. Um, off the back of a number of um, government uh, activities and initiatives, we've seen the, uh, the, uh, the creation of the AI sector deal, we've seen the House of Lords Select Committee report back on this, and we've seen government action. We've seen the creation of a Centre for Data Ethics and Innovation, um, we've got an AI council coming through as well, as well as a number of very, very exciting uh, non-profits and, and other societal organisations. So I think the UK is in a very, very interesting position in how integrated we are in working with professionals from across lots of different disciplines to kind of look at these multi-dimensional problems together rather than working in silo to try to address them. And I think my experience around AI suggests that we have a better chance of creating AI for all that's taken ethical considerations into account if we have a diverse group of people from different backgrounds contributing to the way it's designed, trained and deployed. So you're a director in our AI team here at PwC. What on earth do you do every day? Well, Felicity, it's a fairly uh, wide-ranging brief at the moment, you can imagine, with AI. Um, we have a huge body of work undertaking at the moment around applying AI to ourselves to future-proof PwC but also to work with our clients across all sectors to harness AI innovation to transform their businesses as well. Um, there's a lot of other issues pertaining to AI though that we get involved with. How does this affect the workforce of the future? How do we build trust and transparency into the technology and assure it? How do we consider some of the things, Louise, that you work on around cyber security of AI systems and data protection? From a regulatory standpoint, it's quite a broad array of issues that affect AI and we try to cover almost all of them. Nice easy brief then. 
Indeed. So you're um, always going all around the world as well to loads of different conferences. What are some of the sort of things that people always come up to you at those conferences and say, hey, Rob, I'm so worried about X, Y, Z? Yeah, I think um, depending on the conference, once you've uh, moved beyond some of the, uh, the longer term issues, such as the singularity, science fiction and Terminator, we tend to see some pretty big themes coming up in almost all of these panels and, uh, and, and discussions as well. I think the two main themes throughout uh, the last 12 months have been, first of all, around the ethical considerations of AI. Mm. It's a topic that's received huge amounts of attention in the media and in business as well. And I think the other topic is around the impact on the world of work, around jobs, education and skills and how AI can start uh, having a significant impact on this in the future. So you've already alluded to the fact that AI is becoming a, something of a hot topic. If there was one thing that you could change about the current public AI debate at the moment, what would that be? I think the topic tends to get quite polarised between either this very, very overtly positive marketing-led approach of how it suddenly transforms businesses by default and it acts in a very magic way to make life better for all of us. Mm -hmm. I think also though, there's a very uh, opposite um, take on this, which is much more negative, much more dystopian and uh, much more uh, uh, jumped upon by certain groups when an AI breakthrough takes place. And I don't think this helps either. I think the best thing that could help us to move on to inform businesses, to inform the general public, is taking kind of a calm, sober course down the middle. It doesn't sell press copy, unfortunately, but to look at the very real opportunities this technology presents today and increasingly in the next few years, but also looking at some of the potential risks that it brings to bear today and in the coming years as well, and maybe not get so hung up on the longer term picture, which has got some amazing research going into, but doesn't have that bearing on life today. Mm as we know it. Um, something I've heard you say in the past is um, the thing that really annoys you is um, Terminator pictures accompanying every story you ever see <laughs> about anything pertaining to AI. Is that something you want to eradicate if you were king for the day? If, if I was king, king of AI for the day, I think that would be a first of my hit list. Uh, I think it, it, it is something that unfortunately is quite a lazy trope that's mm. attached to AI breakthroughs. Uh, AI equals robots equals the Terminator and uh, picture goes on the front page. The, the problem comes, I think, it, around the way that the public now understands this technology. One of the big national or international conversations we now have to have is around personal data, around how we use data to train these systems, to improve everyone's lot, to drive economic growth, to drive innovation, to make life better for all of us and the planet. If we can't responsibly articulate what this technology is, and we resort to some of these lazy memes, um, I think it um, erodes trust in the technology. Mm -hmm. So I think there's great work happening with various institutions that we're very close to, to try to present this much more real, honest and clear perspective of what AI means to people's lives, to businesses going forward. So uh, uh, increasingly lessen the dependency on some of these, uh, these sort of uh, uh, memes and tropes we see in the press. So something that you posted a while ago on Twitter that went a bit mad, um, you're the robot rules from your kids. <laughs> so, so how old are your kids, Rob? Uh, they're now nine and seven and uh, almost three. So your two eldest wrote four top tips for, for robots over the coming years. Um, and you can find these on Twitter. We'll, we'll link to it in the, in the notes. Yeah, exactly. Over the last couple of years, I've been to so many events where I've been inspired. I've been slightly frightened about the prospects of 
what's coming down the track for the next generation. So I thought I'd have a conversation with my young kids about this uh, topic and uh, didn't start off all that well. I asked my son what he wanted to be when he grew up and he said he wanted to be a train driver, to which I kind of dismissed that out of hand and said the robots will do that, to which he burst into tears and ran off to his bedroom. So this then set in motion is really a interesting uh, set of activity to try to get me to, to help them in the future. And uh, first of all, uh, I sent them off to school to get a book on technology. He came back with a book on fax machines, which didn't particularly uh, <laughs> fill me with confidence about the, uh, the education Cutting system's uh, ability to prepare our kids. Um, we also had an amazing um, experience by getting them to play MIT's Moral Machine, which um, sets different um, hypothetical situations up for you to decide what a self-driving car should do. So my kids played this game. I think uh, the, moan, the main sort of memory was the, um, they preferred to save the lives of animals over humans. So, um, and they're very law-abiding, so I think my parenting skills are coming through. <laughs> but, but all this started increasingly giving me some confidence that um, actually kids see these big megatrends in a different um, set of eyes to, to us adults with the baggage we've got. So um, we were um, about to present to Parliament um, a couple of years back to explain to politicians what AI is. So I thought I'd enlist the help of my kids. And uh, they gave me this uh, set of rules uh, by which to uh, inform how the politicians should understand uh, what we need to do to make sure that AI and robots are good for humanity. And there were some really great ones in there. Um, bad people shouldn't build robots, number one. Um, but also, um, touching on something we talked about earlier, robots shouldn't look like humans. Um, that was well, quite it, an interesting it, one, it's it? an interesting one. There's a very uh, particular um, concern in the AI community around this uh, topic of what's called anthropomorphism, the uh, mm. bestowing of very human characteristics upon technology. Um, and if you've got um, amazing breakthroughs that have happened this year, um, technology that's uh, able to, uh, to impersonate humans on the telephone, coupled with uh, increasingly lifelike uh, robots doing the rounds uh, at various conferences and put the two together, there's very real implications for humanity around uh, deceit and trust and whether or not these things should be labelled as bots if they are uh, providing you with advice or interacting with the general public. So you mentioned um, doing a briefing to the House of Lords on this particular topic. I wondered, for those of us, myself included, who aren't experts or even necessarily trained technologists, are there any good reading materials or sources that you could recommend? Yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of too much, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think there's some brilliant books that help to set the scene. Um, I would recommend uh, books like uh, Richard Susskind's Future of the Professions, mm -hmm. uh, Callum Chase and his Economic Singularity. Um, if you want something further ahead, uh, Max Tegmark, Life 3.0, is, is a really interesting one as well. Yeah, I'm reading that at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating book. Um, to look at some of the, uh, the, the kind of the, the shorter, nearer-term issues, there's great work done by a whole range of bodies. I would start, actually, with um, some of the reports gone into government this year, the House of Lords Select Committee Review on AI. Um, I would also recommend uh, organisations such as the AI Now Institute, uh, the RSA and the Royal Society have all produced fantastic reports that are very accessible in plain English mm -hmm. to explain what the state of the development of this tech is, the opportunities and the risks. Brilliant, thank you. So that's something that you spoke about with Tabitha Goldstorb recently when you caught up with her, wasn't it? So Tabitha is co-founder of the UK AI startup Cognition X, but also chair of this new AI council that we talked about. Um, so perhaps let's uh, lead into that interview now. First of all, Tabitha, 
What do businesses need to know about the latest developments in AI in the UK? What's really exciting about uh, artificial intelligence is the opportunity that it now presents for us to build products and services that both increase uh, a business's revenue, uh, can even decrease their costs, and at the same time, delight their customers. My top tip for those um, businesses is to focus on building AI that is for their teams and their staff rather than instead of. So if you're building AI for people rather than instead of people, you're usually going to have more success. And this raises some of these themes that I think uh, are coming out in the media. There's a number of negative themes that are coming through around the impact on the workforce. Um, what do you think businesses need to think about when it comes to the impact on people specifically? If businesses start by finding the things that annoy their workforce the most, and then work out a way to use AI to, to alleviate those issues, then I think that they'll be in for a brighter future rather than if they come up with um, uh, problems to things that they just want to solve using magic for, uh, for less known reasons. And uh, there's a number of other topics that are coming through on a weekly basis uh, around some of the downside impact of AI, whether it's the issue of uh, bias and discrimination, whether it's leading to poor outcomes that are affecting uh, different parts of society. Um, are these fears well-founded? Well Does the press tend to run away with this and get carried away? I think that as long as we don't think of them as fears, but more as concerns and issues that we need to focus on, then I think that it's, it's, it's healthy. One of um, the most important things for us to do is recognize where and when uh, an algorithm or an AI system is betraying uh, attributes that we don't want or we don't expect and so actually sometimes the press it's helpful if if it means that we're, we're more cognizant of this do I think that the press are, um, are running with some things and, and just displaying um, the facts in a more sensationalized way yes do I think that businesses should be more focused on the ethical considerations and think more carefully yes so all in all um, the uh, the opportunity is there for us to get this right we just have to be more mindful of how AI is being built and who is building this AI and that raises an interesting topic around the uh, the, the very real uh, issues of um, AI leading to poor outcomes uh, in your experience uh, what are some of the practical steps that businesses can adopt to to minimize some of the risk of harm or poor outcomes it really depends whether a company has decided to build an AI system themselves or if they are using off-the-shelf uh, products or they've partnered um, so technically there are a lot of different ways that we should be looking at fairness transparency bias the key is to interrogate whoever is working on those projects to ensure that they've thought of that uh, I also think that the quick win in many of these cases is to just make sure that the right people are in the room at the right steps and so rather than the engineering team whether it's your own or whether it's a uh, an outsourced group showing you an end result actually have um, ethicists um, English majors uh, people who are not from the engineering team from from the, the uh, other parts of the department involved in the process they usually will be able to put their hands up and wave this isn't okay a little bit quicker as long as you empower them to do that it's a it's a good way to um, save yourself a lot of headache do you think uh, that we're doing enough in business to improve access to uh, technology careers for, for women and, uh, and, and other groups? I think there's some really good initiatives in all businesses around trying to get more women into, uh, into this 
this space. Do I think we're doing enough? Absolutely not. Uh, there's always more that can be done. We are so far from, um, from any level of equality in most engineering teams. Um, there has to be a, um, as Ginny Rometty calls it, a ruthless focus on diversity um, and inclusion. So there are a lot of diversity initiatives that don't take into consideration what then happens um, after somebody joins a company or after they join a group. Um, and we need to think about actually including uh, diverse voices um, and making sure that they are empowered and are able to make a change rather than just box ticking. So there's a lot more to be done. And what can our listeners do if they're really interested in learning more about AI, get involved in AI, where, where do they start, where do they go for advice and ability to get involved? So the good news is that, that there is a lot of information online, whether, whether it's um, in the traditional press or in niche publications. There is a lot of events that are happening in London. There, if you have the appetite, um, there are courses that, that you can go on. I think ultimately though, uh, above and beyond that, it's about being passionate enough to seek out the groups within your own organizations that are already doing this. Um, most companies, I think the, the stats um, are well over 80% of big companies are already starting with this. Some of them with small proof of concepts, some of them already have been rolling out AI for a while, but go and find them. Go and look for the, through them on your um, on your intranets, um, and even if you're not technical. In fact, most importantly, if you're not technical, go and ask to be part of the working group. Go and get involved. Um, think up problems uh, that you face in your everyday that could be solved by AI. Uh, raise your hand uh, and get more involved. Fantastic. Just uh, one final question as well. Um, for many of our listeners thinking about the impact, not just right now, but on the, the future generation, what should they be thinking about uh, encouraging their kids to get involved with in terms of further education, to prepare them for this fairly uncertain future where AI could be really quite a profound force? That's a really good question and I think that actually the answer is in your question. It's the, it's the uncertainty. It's preparing young people for uncertainty is probably the key skill that we're going to need. Um, Yohal Noha Harari's book, Lessons for the 21st Century, uh, has got a very good chapter that I'd recommend listening to um, about young people. And the thing that I really learned and took away from it was this isn't about learning a specific skill. This isn't about having knowledge in a specific area because those two things are going to be readily available if they're not already um, online and in technologies like AI. So what we need to get really good at is problem solving, um, critical thinking, being creative, thinking around the solution, empathy for, for other humans, um, and, and enjoying the, the challenge that comes with this uncertainty rather than being fearful of it. Thank you very much for joining me today, Tabitha. Thank you. A really interesting interview there, Rob, and the uh, interviewee becoming the interviewer. You're going to be doing a few more of those for us over the coming episodes. Um, but perhaps looking to the year ahead, it's 2019. What are some of the um, most exciting things um, on your radar that you think are going to happen this year? I think uh, we're going to start seeing a lot more progress in businesses adopting the tech. I think uh, this last 12 months has been about uh, quite low-level investigation of use cases in the main uh, with some really promising breakthroughs. I think we will see an expansion and an acceleration. I think we'll also see a lot more diversification across industry sectors. The, the industry sector that I am particularly excited about is, um, is healthcare and health industries and the pharmaceutical sector. 
Um, from a personal perspective, that the reason I think I'm uh, most focused on that sector is I very sadly uh, lost my mother to motor neurone disease 15 years ago. And uh, there's amazing breakthroughs starting to happen, in particular in the UK, around harnessing machine learning and other AI techniques to um, discover new drug compounds for rare diseases. Uh, and uh, if we can get behind that, uh, if we can see progress in that sector, it makes the whole of society's lot improve, it improves the economy, mm. um, and uh, I think that would be a win all round. So healthcare in particular, I think, is one to watch for 2019. We have to be careful about badging things for AI for good, because it mm. suggests that everything else is AI for bad. <laughs> and there are some AI for bad use cases, admittedly, that unfortunately have, uh, have come through in the last year. Um, but there are genuine opportunities to apply AI towards the acceleration towards achieving the sustainable development goals, mm. something we've been heavily involved with, whether it's in assessing uh, impact on climate change or deforestation, but also the convergence with other technologies such as drones, for example, looking at uh, the impact on uh, um, uh, humanitarian crises, etc. But I think once you kind of move along a level from that, I think it's just making life better, making us wealthier, making us healthier, and ensuring that uh, some of our more intractable problems are taken away, we can focus on much higher value tasks and make everyone's lives a lot happier. Rob, thank you so much for coming in to speak to us today. Um, and really nice to leave on a positive thought, looking forward to the future and the exciting developments that we might be, we might be seeing in this space. Thanks for having me. And what's your Twitter handle, just so everyone can find you, follow your musings? So you can find me on Twitter, at Rob McCargo. So that's it for episode one. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up next, we'll be hearing about B for Blockchain, another nice and easy one to tackle. <laughs> I know um, a lot of people that I speak to certainly aren't entirely sure what it is, so um, hopefully we can dispel a few myths. Don't forget to subscribe on whichever podcast app you use to get the latest episodes as soon as they're out. And please do feel free to rate and review as well so that other people can find the podcast. We would love to hear from you if there are any particular areas you'd be keen to find out a bit more about. So maybe you've got a burning question on a story you've read this week, or maybe a new bit of technology that seems a little bit baffling. You can find us on Twitter at PwC underscore UK, or I'm on at Felicity Main. We're still badgering Louise to get on Twitter, but I'm sure that will happen soon. <laughs> See you soon. Bye. <laughs>